Dear listener, it's a great day that you choose to join me. This is Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Please keep tuned to this station until the end. I'm your presenter, Samuel Mangi. This is your favorite new life program with interesting segments just for you. Patron will be having the family of segment by Lady Aching. Today, she will be talking about judging our spouse's intentions. Thereafter, we'll be having the Bible segment by Pastor Stanton Witherspoon. Today's topic is about Joshua at Jericho. Before that, here's a song, Safari Yambenguni by Crossroad Singers. Oh 
that you've been blessed with that lovely song. Thank you for staying tuned. Let us now prepare to listen to Lydia Aching. Welcome, sister. Hello, dear listener. Welcome to today's Family Life program. Today's topic is judging our spouse's intentions. May we pray? Lord, thank you so much for this day. We pray that you may bless us through this marriage message that we're about to share. Help us to love one another as Christ loves the church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you judge your spouse's intention when he or she does something that irritates you? Of course you do. We all do it. We don't consider whether they truly intended to irritate or hurt us or not. Sometimes we believe the better about them and move on. Other times we start stewing about the incident. We question their intelligence and wonder, what were they thinking? But then there are other incidences when we can fall into the habit of thinking the worst about their intentions. We start to project that he or she knew what they were doing and they didn't care. Have you been there? Unfortunately, we have. And a myriad of other couples have been there too. Shanti Feldon, author of the book, The Surprising Secrets of Highly Happy Marriages, says, I think that the thing that is the biggest prerequisite is you have to believe the best of your spouse's intentions when you're hurt. I did huge research with a thousand couples with a nationally represented survey, and I found that these really happy couples, when they were hurt, and everybody gets hurt right, when a normal average couple is hurt, the natural human tendency is to think, oh, he knew how that would make me feel, but he said it anyway, right? It's really subconscious. You don't realize what your feeling is, that he doesn't care. 
In the happy couples, I noticed this completely different trend. They basically would say to themselves, oh, yeah, that hurt, but I know he cares about me. I know he loves me, so he must not have known how that would make me feel, or he wouldn't have said it. It was a totally different way of looking at it. In almost 100% of cases on my survey, even in the most struggling marriages, everybody really cares about their spouse. But if you want to be happy, you have to let yourself believe it. That's an important point to consider, isn't it? But there's more. Shanti goes on to point out what we're told in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. You might wonder what this has to do about judging our spouse's intentions, but what's astounding is that the Apostle Paul wrote these words from prison. When your spouse shows his or her sinful side, it is easy to label him or her as evil-willed, but your spouse's temporary nastiness must be distinguished from evil character. Your angry spouse might temporarily not wish you well, but these exceptions don't do away with your spouse's overall character and good intentions. You can still choose to see the best in your spouse, and when you sit down to discuss his or her actions in a respectful and loving way, you'll probably discover that the unloving behavior was triggered by an emotional wound or unmet need. Most anger and meanness in a marriage stems from pain and disappointment, not malice. In all of this, it's important that you're bossing your feelings into the place they should go. I can remember a season in our marriage when I thought Steve was just trying to irritate me by doing things a certain way. To me, it made no sense every time this issue would come up and he would approach it entirely different than I would. I truly thought he was trying to make me angry, and yet this made no sense to me. Steve was and is a good guy. And then we took the temperament analysis test when we were trying to learn more about each other. This test brought to light the different ways we approach various issues. All of a sudden, I saw that Steve wasn't trying to irritate me when he did these things. That's his basic approach to life. It's totally different than mine, but different doesn't mean it's wrong and mine is right. We just needed to give each other grace and not judge each other. Also, we needed to find a way to make both of our approaches work for our marital relationship. We sometimes still do. This changed everything for us. We approach our differences in a much more grace-driven way. I've especially learned to be much more gracious in my assumptions concerning Steve's motives behind what he does. One marriage expert pointed out that spouses often judge ourselves by our intentions, and we usually attach good motives to them. But we judge our spouse by their actions, and many times we're not as generous with their motives as we are with ours. And that's what we've learned. Here are a few pointers on this matter. Leave the judging to God. Give your spouse the benefit of the doubt when it comes to his or her intentions. If you need to, ask about your spouse's intentions rather than judging them without truly knowing them. Remember that we all sin sometimes. Look beyond at the bigger picture and give grace whenever you can. When you're tempted to focus on your spouse's negative traits and intentions, remind yourself of your own weaknesses. Then remember how Christ has forgiven you. If you need to talk about the issue that has arisen, make sure you are speaking the truth in love rather than in judgment. You'll most likely get better results. 
You'll be more successful at building your marriage when you and your spouse start working together instead of trying to place blame. Apply the principles of Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 through 9. Focus on whatever is commendable about your spouse and you will experience more peace in life and your marriage. We hope this helps. This material is provided by Marriage Missions International. Until next time, God bless you. that you've enjoyed that family life segment. This is the New Life program coming to you from Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Do not forget to send us your views, comments, or questions about the program by writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 42276, God 00100, Nairobi, Kenya, or email us through awr at Let us now hear from Crossroad singers with the song, Sisi Niparapanda. Thank you once again for staying tuned to our station. It is time for the Bible segment. Pastor Stanton, welcome and bless us with the word. Hello, and a very warm welcome again. Today we are going to look at a very interesting topic from the book of Joshua chapter 6, 
verse 2 to 5. And I've captioned this message, Joshua at Jericho. We are going to look at this battle at Jericho and how the Lord was able to deliver his children. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for yet another opportunity to be before the throne of grace, to hear words that will inspire our lives and will motivate us to draw closer to you than ever before. It is our prayer this moment, O Father, that may we feel your presence in our hearts. And may you open our hearts, O God, to receive your word as it will be edifying to our soul for your glory. This we pray through Jesus Christ, our Lord, with thanksgiving. Amen. Joshua at Jericho. And our text is from Joshua chapter 6, verse 2 to 5. You know, this common statement, the battle belongs to the Lord, is a statement many Christians like to process. And, you know, this is true. If you and I can trust God enough to follow him or to follow his directives, definitely the battle will, be belong, the battle will belong to him. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 2 to 5, we, we see a very interesting scenario here, instructions God given to Joshua to lead the children of Asia to conquer a city. I read for your hearing from the Amplified Bible. It says, The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the mighty warriors. Now you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once. You shall do this once each day for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets made of rams, rams' horns ahead of the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall cry out with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down in its place, and the people shall go up, each man going straight ahead, climbing over the rumble. My dear friends, According to God, this is how we win war, or this is how you and I can win a war against a fortified city. Here is Jericho. Jericho was a heavily fortified city, or had a heavily fortified walls, and it was massive, and it was almost impossible to conquer this city or to demolish these walls. If any commander or general had a strategy that God had given Joshua, they would have laughed because, you know, humanly speaking, it was ridiculous for Joshua to believe. March around the city and the, the priests walk in front of the ark and sound the trumpets and every day you have to march around and that's how you're going to conquer this city. This tactic looks so irrational for our thinking today. However, brothers and sisters, when Jesus is on the, the wheel of when Jesus is part of your plan, rest and show that everything is going to be okay. Well, Joshua had been a witness uh, to one to so many of the powerful things God has done through Moses and all of the and uh, through Moses and with the children of Israel being able to cross uh, from Egypt to uh, the promised land. I wonder what the inhabitants of Jericho were thinking 
you know, watching these guys or watching the children of Israel who they have heard about. The mighty children of Israel has, has come to Jericho and to, to capture Jericho and uh, hearing the stories that they have done. I wonder what they would have thought, the inhabitants of Jericho, you know, seeing this, these children marching around the city, below going around the city in silence for six days. They must have thought that these guys are nuts or crazy. Joshua believed, Joshua believed and implemented, you know, the, his faith and the instruction God gave him. And God gave them victory and the walls of Jericho did come down on the seventh day. But here is the message for us today. Himalay speaking, it was next to impossible. But as the Bible says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Do you have impossibilities before you today? I want you to ask God for a strategy. A strategy and follow through in obedience. This one thing is for sure. If you are walking in obedience to the will of God, he will ensure that you come out victorious. Today, I encourage you, my brother or my sister, what is impossible in your life that you cannot get over? Remember, with God, all things are possible. May this be our prayer and hope. That as we plan our daily lives, may we present it before God. And as he gives us the strategy to carry out our daily ministry or our service for him in our life, may we be able to listen and obey him in accordance to his instruction. With God, everything is possible. Amen. We are grateful for the time you have accorded us today. Now let us meet right here at Adventist World Radio, the voice of hope. Don't forget to send us your views, comments, or questions about the program by writing to the producer, Adventist World Radio, P.O. Box 422-76-00-100, Nairobi, Kenya. Or email us through Nairobi at ek.adventist.org. I've been your host, friend and presenter Samuel Mangin. Till then, stay safe, stay blessed.
Yesu wa Kristo niwe mmoja wa watakatifu nitashangili Don't